Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me on the Hope for Today broadcast. I'm your host, Doran Wengard, founder of Wengard Ministries, where we are delivering hope to every heart. Now, if you've been impacted by these messages and you'd like to partner with us, please text the word GIVE to 844-333-7227. Or you can go to wengardministries.org and click GIVE. Now, when you're there, you can check out the various projects that we're working on. Be asking the Lord if there's a spot where He wants you to sow financial seed. Remember, the blessing of God is not so much on the amount, but rather on obedience to Him. So just go there and do what He says. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I asked the question, what is your source? And today, I want to ask you another question that has it's kind of brought controversy and some division, actually quite a bit uh, of division to Christians for many, many years. And I want to address this because the heart of God is being missed in this, in, when, when there's division happening. So the question that I'm about to ask is actually the title to this message. It is, What is Prosperity? And really, the, the, the subtitle, I guess, to this could be, and what does that mean to each and every person in the world? The principles that I'm going to talk about, I've seen in multiple countries all over the world. It looks different, but the principle is still the same. Now, we all tend to have differing ideas as to what the word prosperity means. So, before we go any further, I want to address something. Yes, I know there have been multiple abuses of these concepts over the years. But that's exactly what the devil wants you to focus on, to distract you from the real truth. He's trying to distract you from what God has truly provided for you. So don't be offended. Get over your offense about it and learn God's heart for you. This is what makes him a good father. Any denial of this truth is an attack at the very core of God's nature and his heart. He is a wonderful, gracious, and abundant provider who wants nothing more than to see you well taken care of. Now, let's move on to the definition of true prosperity. I want to start out with what the Apostle John said in 3 John 1, 2. He said, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So what is soul prosperity? What does that phrase say about the condition of the heart? It's easy to think immediately about financial prosperity and physical health because those two areas affect us all in one way or another, probably um, quite often actually. But financial prosperity and physical health are only fruits of a prosperous soul. They are not the determination of the prosperous soul. Do you get that? It's, it's only an offshoot. It's a result of having a prosperous soul. Then you will see financial prosperity and physical health. So he's saying, I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So it all comes back to how is your soul prospering? Now, the definition of the word prosper is to succeed in your affairs or to have a good journey. I would say it like this. To prosper is to walk with balance and abundance, in line with the word of God and the laws of his kingdom. I'm going to say that again. To prosper is to walk with balance and abundance, in line with the word of God and the laws of his kingdom. This is the person that Satan is the most afraid of. See, his only trick is deception, 
and he has no weapons against a born-again believer who walks in health, lives with abundance, and who submits humbly to the leading of the Holy Spirit. There is no limit to what God can do. All throughout scriptures, God continually tied financial and physical blessings together, and especially when it's mentioned in relation to the covenant that he made with Abraham. So I want to take a look at God's initial promise to Abram in Genesis 12, verses 1, 2, and 3. He says, Now the Lord had said to Abraham, to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now that last phrase is really the one that we can stand on especially because we are blessed because of the blessing on Abraham. See, God says in verse 2, I will bless you and you shall be a blessing. In the beginning of dealing with his covenant people, God reveals the purpose of blessing and prosperity. His blessing in our lives is so that we can have the opportunity to be a blessing as well to others. See, Abraham was just an example of this. This is why the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's a greater blessing to be in a position to to be able to give to others than to be in a position of needing to receive from others. And we love that better. Every one of us loves to give more than receive. That's because we're made in the image and likeness of God. See, he loves to give. He's a giver. He loves to see people blessed by receiving from him. The covenant promise to Abraham is the foundation for the biblical concept of blessing and prosperity. He did this to counter the effects of the curse of sin. See, sin brought all of these negative effects and God gave us his promise so that he could provide for us. See, it's all through covenant that he does this. The covenant promise of blessing belongs to each one of us who have received Jesus by faith. See, in Galatians 3.29, it says, And you are Christ's, and if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. In Galatians 3.9, it says, to those, uh, to, Then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. So what are some qualifiers to be blessed and to be a blessing? First of all, you must be born again, and you must believe that the blessing belongs to you. It has to be something that you receive for yourself. Too many born-again Christians simply exempt themselves from the promise of blessing because they don't want to be slandered or misunderstood. Many times it's they are afraid of what others will say if too many blessings seem to be coming their way. And maybe that's something you've dealt with. This is often caused by past experiences or offenses. It could even be offenses that your parents had. It could be even people close to you. It may not even be something that you experienced, but if it's something that you have to deal with in your own heart, recognize the fact that it probably comes from an offense somewhere down the line. Now, although the promise of blessing belongs to us, we must first reach out and take it by faith. It's just like anything in the gospel. Your sins are already forgiven, but you need to reach out and receive that forgiveness by faith. See, we can see God's promise and purpose of blessing for Israel in Deuteronomy 8. 
in uh, verses 7 through 17, we can read the description of the promised land and the details of its abundance and all of the things included there. But in verse 18, we get to see his purpose. And he says, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Do you recognize that? He gives his purpose right there. He gives us the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to our fathers, or he swore to Abraham. In verses 7 and uh, verse 9, it says, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land in which you will lack nothing. See, we can see very clearly that God's heart is for his children to have no lack and no need. See, God wants to establish his covenant with you in the same way that he established his covenant with Abraham. This is, first of all, a promise of grace to create wealth to each of us in covenant with him. See, grace and power, these words are used interchangeably. And so he gives us the power to create wealth. He gives us the grace to create wealth. It's saying the same thing. The power to get wealth is the grace to create it. Many times this comes from you know, business ideas, etc. It could be anything. It could be buying real estate. But most of all, I believe that it is in the timing of walking in obedience to his voice. See, if we listen to him, he'll do so much more than we, can, than we can ever do on our own. I used to say the phrase, God's timing is perfect, but I began to say it backwards, actually, just to be kind of silly. And it wasn't until my brother pointed this out to me that I realized I was saying an even greater truth. I was saying, God's perfect is timing. God's perfect is timing. Think of it. God's perfect will for us is all in the timing of listening to his voice and acting when he says. So he can do more in an hour than you can do in 10 years. And he will prove this to you over and over and over again. If you'll only let him, if you'll only be obedient to him and do what he says, God's perfect is timing. The key to this then is believing it by faith and responding with instant, unquestioning obedience. This is how he has chosen to finance the spread of the gospel and the ministries that are awakening people to the truth of his goodness. Be willing to give generously to those churches or ministries that are reaching the lost and bringing them to Jesus and establishing people in the faith. I'll talk more about this in later broadcasts, but true stewardship is more about obedience than it is about frugality and, and kind of grasping every penny. It's about doing what the king says with the king's money and do it when he says. So how much of your wealth or abundance is being used for its God-ordained purpose? See, I believe that every dollar, every, every seed has a, has a calling on it. So every dollar has a calling on it. Sometimes it, that dollar is to be seed, to be sown into, other, into ministries. Sometimes it's bread for you to eat, to meet your needs. And that is equally important. See, God wants to meet our needs as well. If we don't understand the purpose of a thing, then abuse and neglect and failure are the result. I've actually seen this exact thing in third world countries. Uh, if you don't understand the purpose of electronics, <laughs> you could use a laptop to stand a ladder on, or maybe even something more damaging. If you don't know what it's for, you could be using it for something that it's not designed to do. It works the same way with God's blessings. 
And this really comes back to the question of who or what is your source? So let's look at a New Testament definition of prosperity. And I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 11. And I want you to hear this. This is how God wants to get his will accomplished in our lives. Verse 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. But he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. I'd encourage you to read these verses again. Let the Lord speak to your heart. Let him show you what he wants to show you about this. See, this is a balanced approach. This is allowing God to, call, to, to make the call on what your prosperity, your blessings, um, are, are supposed to go toward. So as we see then in verse 8, God's grace is abounding toward you, to prosper you, to give you bread and seed, to give you enough and extra, as Greg Moore says. This provides seeds for you to sow. So how does it look to always have all sufficiency in all things? Always having enough to meet your needs. See, one of the biggest fears that people face is not having enough. God says the first priority of prosperity is to meet your needs. See, God's grace is like an eternal fountain, which never runs out. Seriously, we tend to think of prosperity as there's only so much, and if I take more, it's like a pie. If I take more of the pie, there's less for everyone else. There's less to go around, but that's not the way it is. See, God's blessings are like a fountain or like a river. He will never run out. There's always more than enough. There's always more than I can take. I will never deplete anyone else's supply by, by taking more of what God has given for me. See, that's the first purpose is to meet my needs. But then secondly, he wants us to possess an abundance for every good work. Do you understand this? It's not just to meet my need. We are not prospering according to the Bible definition of prosperity until our supply is enough for the purpose of blessing others and advancing the kingdom. When Pastor Greg said, if you are content just to believe God for your needs, and that alone, just all your, that's where your focus is, then you are a selfish person. That hit me right between the eyes. I, that's what I was praying for. I was praying that God would meet my needs. And he said, no, you believe for more. You believe for enough and extra, enough to give. I do believe that it is scriptural to ask God to provide for your needs and also for a supply to give from. See, verse 10 says that God gives seed to the sower. I guess if you're not sowing, then you don't need more seed. He'll give it to you if he knows that you're going to sow it. If, you're, if you desire to prosper, but it's just focused on you, your desire is just focused on meeting your needs and your needs alone, you're missing the true 
purpose of prosperity. When you can first develop a heart to give, God will get resources to you. Remember, we were created in God's image, and He is a giver. Andrew Womack says, if God can get it through you, He will get it to you. And I believe that. I've seen it happen. If you will commit to do what God says, He will get you more to work with. Now, our giving not only supplies the work of ministry, but also it releases thanksgiving. It glorifies God. It models generosity. And it causes others' prayers to go up for us. See, one of the best places to learn to hear God is in the area of your finances. Develop a sensitivity to God about money and discern what part of your income is seed to sow and what part is bread to meet your needs. Remember, again, we are made in the image of God We have his generous heart as his sons and daughters. Any denial of this comes from the enemy because he wants to keep believers sick and poor so they cannot advance the kingdom of God. If the devil can't get us to deny it then, he tries to get us to desire and to covet it. So watch your heart. Trust him. Be willing to give it all away any day of the week. Either way, denying wealth or desiring riches for ourselves will only lead us away from God. Let's receive God's wealth and prosperity with his heart and humility to be a blessing to the world. Obey his voice and open your hand to give wherever he says. I want you to listen to the wisdom uh, in Proverbs 22, verse 4. It says, By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. So allow your heart to be humble before him. Agree with him and prosper. By walking in balance and abundance in line with the word of God and the laws of his kingdom. You need to speak this out then when you can say it by faith. Don't just say it just to say it. Let the faith rise in your heart and then say, God gives me the power to create wealth, to fulfill his promise to me, and I will be blessed to be a blessing to others. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God bless you.